You're listening to Taxpayers Australia's News and Insights podcast, Tax Wrap. Hello, listeners. Welcome to a special episode of our Tax Wrap podcast. Uh, my name is Annie Nguyen. Uh, our host, Steve Burnham's on a break today, but I do have the pleasure of joining Scott Lego, Principal Customer Education Consultant at the State Revenue Office of Victoria. Welcome, Scott. Thanks for having me, Andy. Today we're going to talk about um, a really important issue um, with the FBT season almost coming to a close, being 31st of March 2017. Um, what many people don't necessarily know, despite uh, rushing to get your FBT returns out of the way, is that uh, there are quite a few implications there from a Victorian payroll perspective, and notwithstanding that the rules are harmonised, so it does apply to uh, all uh, employers uh, across the country. So, uh, Scott, um, before I proceed, um, what, are, what are some of the things that I need to be aware of? Uh, I mean, how do I go about calculating the value of fringe benefits for payroll tax purposes? Well, when it comes to declaring the value of fringe benefits, an employer or a payroll tax lodger needs to take the Type 1 and Type 2 aggregate amounts found at Question 14 on the FBT return. Add these two amounts together and then gross that amount up by the Type 2 gross-up factor of 1.9608. This amount is set by the ATO and relates to the 2016-17 year. FBT returns are due to be lodged with the ATO by May each year, so when it comes time to complete the payroll tax annual reconciliation in July, the lodger would refer to the most recently lodged FBT return to access the correct figures. Yeah, we were talking off-air a little bit earlier that um, with the changes to the FBT rate, it does get a bit confusing with the the Type 2 gross-up rate, but it is 1.9608 for this year. Correct. Yeah, so now I'm going to ask you a few simple questions, Scott, and hopefully I'll ramp that up um, as we go along. So what about fringe benefits with a nil taxable value? How How do we treat those from a a payroll tax perspective. Yeah, this is all pegged quite nicely into the FBT legislation. So fringe benefits with a nil uh, taxable value for FBT would also have a nil uh, value for payroll tax purposes as well. And um, do we assume that uh, a similar thing happens with um, exempt fringe benefits? Yeah, yeah. exempt fringe benefits are also exempt from payroll tax. So once again, you would need to worry about declaring those particular benefits for payroll tax purposes. The FBT and payroll tax legislation are closely pegged, as I said, in this area, and it does simplify the process for lodgers when they're trying to determine what they do and don't have to declare for payroll tax. Um, as I did promise, Scott, I'm going to ramp up these questions a little bit more. Um, now, can you explain the two methods that taxpayers can use when determining the value of the fringe benefits and also when payments should be declared? Sure thing. So given FBT returns are submitted yearly uh, to the ATO and payroll tax is monthly uh, is paid monthly to the SRO, a lodger does need to make a decision on, on how to declare those fringe benefits in their monthly payroll tax returns. We've actually got two approved methods which are comp- contained within the Harmonised Payroll Tax Revenue Ruling, which is uh, reference PTA 003V2, and lodgers uh, can access that just by typing in the reference into the search bar on our website or on in the website of uh, our other uh, colleagues across the country yes. from those revenue offices. So just to repeat that, so that ruling there is PTA-003V2. 
V2. V2, and that reference is the same in the other states and territories as well. I might give it a crack on Google and see if I can, that, that <laughs> comes up as well. So, And as you were saying, there were is that, there's two methods, is that correct? Two methods, yep. We call them the actual and estimated method. If we were to look at the actual method, it's the most labour-intensive of the two, I guess you could say, with the lodger declaring the actual value of fringe benefits uh, provided to their employees each month, grossed up by the type 2 uh, factor. For administrative ease, uh, employers can elect to use the estimated method and uh, all the information they need for the estimated method is drawn from the FBT returns by declaring each month one-twelfth of the grossed up uh, fringe benefits from the FBT return for the year ending 31st of March uh, in the year immediately preceding the start of the financial year. When it comes to reconcile those uh, figures at end of financial year, a new FBT return would have been lodged with the ATO by that point, so the lodger would then refer to that return, uh, gross up both the type 1 and type 2 fringe benefit amounts by, once again, the type 2 gross up rate, and then declare that total figure on the payroll tax annual reconciliation. The employer may only use the estimated amount if the employer was liable to pay FBT for a period of not less than 15 months prior to the commencement of the relevant tax year. So do you see employees using a particular method there, Scott, or is it sort of much uh, 50-50, or, is there a, or it just depends from employer to employer? Look, most employers do use the, uh, the estimated method just because it is a lot less labour-intensive than the mm-hmm. actual, but the choice is with the employer as to which method they employ as long as they apply a consistent approach to the method that they are using. Sure. Okay, now I'm going to grill you with another hard question there, Scott. Um, okay. So how does the apportionment of FBT amounts work when you pay FBT in multiple states? And this is something that happens a lot for bigger businesses that operate in, in multiple jurisdictions. So how do I go about calculating the amounts? Great question there, Andy. We've got a federal tax uh, feeding into a, a state tax, so uh, we do need an apportionment method. Um, as FBT returns aren't sp- state-specific, if you do have employees in multiple states who are receiving fringe benefits, then essentially what it comes down to is you only need to declare the component of grossed-up fringe benefits that relate to your Victorian employees or, if you're in another state, to the employees within that particular state. As was the, as was the case with determining your monthly declarations, you can, again, choose to declare the actual Victorian component of the Australian FBT liability, If this information is readily available, accessible to you, you can work that out. Or alternatively, you can use an approved apportionment method, which gets you to look at your total Victorian wages as a proportion of your total Australian wages, and then declaring that portion uh, for uh, payroll tax purposes. So just to give an example there, Andy, if your total Australian wage figure was, say, $1 million, and $750,000 of those wages were paid in Victoria, then you declare 75% of the grossed-up fringe benefits in your Victorian returns as they uh, apply to 75% of the wages. This this method is, again, covered in the uh, revenue ruling, which I mentioned before, PTA 003-V2. Well, that, I think that ruling is going to be etched in my memory by the end of this <laughs> podcast. Yes. So, But I think, as you were saying there, it's a little bit more onerous in terms of where you do have employees that are in multiple states when it comes to the FBT apportionment. So so just just have a look at that ruling there when, uh, when it comes time to do that uh, particular apportionment. So Scott, um, mistakes do happen. 
Now, what if what if a mistake? Uh, what if a taxpayer makes a mistake with their FBT declarations in this particular case? Is there a way that uh, we can get around this? Sure is, Indy. That's the uh, that's what annual reconciliation is essentially for at end of financial year. And the beauty of the annual reconciliation is that it essentially allows for any corrections to be made. Uh, if a taxpayer has over or under-declared their payroll tax throughout the financial year. If a customer realises after the annual reconciliation that they've underpaid or overpaid, then essentially all they need to do is just re-lodge their return through Payroll Tax Express and just provide a detailed explanation of why that change is being made. It may be that interest is payable on any underpayments, but essentially that'll just depend on uh, the amount payable and the age of the debt as well would be taken into consideration. We always recommend getting in touch with us, though, uh, through Payroll Tax Express as soon as an error has been identified, so it can be corrected as soon as possible. Scott, you've done a fantastic, a stellar job today uh, in terms of answering all my queries, which is great. And Good to hear. And it's one of those things, as we spoke about offline as well, that these things often get overlooked. We, we're busy trying to get the FBT return out of the way, but we don't necessarily pay too much attention to our payroll tax obligations. Now, we talked about a little bit earlier that it's harmonised as well. So what happens if I need some, some more information? Where can I go? No worries, Andy. Well, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of places you can go. Obviously, each of the states and territories across the country have their own individual website. So if you are employing in another state other than Victoria, go to the relevant state, uh, that website. Another good uh, port of call is our uh, payroll uh, tax hub. Uh, which is uh, payrolltax.gov.au, and that's a centralised uh, resource for uh, for all things harmonised payroll tax. So it's a good first stop if you uh, if you want some general information about the harmonised um, uh, payroll tax. So thanks a lot for there, uh, Scott. It's been quite insightful. So everybody, Scott Lego, Principal Customer Education Consultant at the State Revenue. Office of Victoria. So that's it for our episode of our Tax Wrap podcast. Um, we do thank you for listening and hope to hear from you soon. 